Hey, all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. Nature nerds, I'm Jen, and I'm here with a Megan. Hello. We're here to share some interesting stories, cautionary tales of nature versus humans. And uh, we got a lot of feedback this past week. A lot of snake people. A lot of snake people. That was cool. Also, we got a lot of animal photos. Cats and dogs. And they were amazing. We should make a calendar or something. (laughs) Like with all of our spare time. (laughs) Like (laughs) so much spare time. God damn it, Megan. Don't add to the list. (sighs) Let's make a calendar, Jones. We can tell you're like, I'm totally going to do that. I'm totally going to do that slash it's like not going to do it till next year. 2024. <laughs> 2026. Coming out soon. <laughs> Be on the lookout. We got two kitty cats named Mercury and Snow. So cute. They also have a German Shepherd-ish looking pup that just turned a year old named uh, Copper. We love your animals. So there's another pupper's named Kal-El and he's so cute. Uh, Pitbull, right? Yeah, he looks like Pitbull. He's white, but he has like the black ear eye thing Thing? happening. Yeah. Patch, and it's super cute. Like the little rascals. Exactly. Uh, Adorable. Yeah, it looks like the little rascals dog. But yeah, keep sending in your animal photos and uh, we will continue to love them. So Megan, I was going to mention to our listeners, Mm because I know you know this already, from our last episode with the rattlesnake, Scott. Von Cannon. Who I first talked about who got bit in the leg while he was out hiking with his dog Boone. Right. And I really forgot to say it, but I had it in the in my brain somewhere, but I didn't it didn't come out in the story because I always get so excited to tell the story. And then later (laughs) I'm like, damn it, I didn't say that. But I thought, you know, in this case and in other cases, the dog is like the unsung hero here. Like Boone was there by his side. Emotional support. Totally. Like sat there and tried to take care of him as best he could. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, Boone, you're the best. And then we found out after we found Scott on Instagram. Like the stalkers we are. <laughs> well, we, we want to include them on the story. But anyway, his he has an Instagram for his dog, Boone. And it's Boondog2015. And you guys should go check it out because he's so cute. Adorable. Yeah. Anyway, so there was that. And the other thing that I realized I didn't, I had it in my notes. And I don't know why I didn't mention it when we were talking about kind of why different people might die from a snake bite versus others like Victoria that she never got any treatment and she yeah. turned out being okay. We talked about all the reasons like the amount of venom, the amount, the size of the person, like where you're struck how quickly you can get help all those things but there's also like duh you know some people are just allergic oh already like, terribly allergic already right. right so they you could same with bees or wasps or and you know you could be just allergic to the venom right and you're you're gonna go down real quick in that case you know you need the epipen i mean it's kind of an obvious one but i just realized i didn't mention it Yeah. So Megan, are you ready for some science news? I am. I found an article which was so timely because it was in Nat Geo on August 20th, which was a yesterday. That's yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. 
super current, and it's entitled Rattlesnakes Trick Humans Into Thinking They're Closer Than They Are. What? I know. If I didn't bring this up in our story last week, it's because it wasn't out yet. Well, it might have been out. (laughs) But study was published August 19th, so there so fresh so we are bringing you like like breaking news (laughs) (laughs) anyway we are on the cutting edge of all things yes okay this was a study published august 19th in the journal current biology what they did was they wanted to analyze the warning vibrations of rattlesnakes so they specifically studied the western diamondback rattlesnake to check the frequencies of the rattles and what it means for different species at different distances Mm -hmm. or what they're trying to communicate by rattling. They learned that when a threat is further away, like, you know, a person walking by or maybe a cow, they probably don't (laughs) see much difference between us. But when a threat is further away, they have a lower frequency rattle of up to 40 hertz. And I don't really know hertz and sounds, but it would be a lower frequency and it'd, it'd be kind of like a slower rattle. Cool. Okay. But when something is too close and they're feeling the threat is, you know, Inevitable. getting getting yeah. too much, then they do a higher frequency, faster rattle between 60 and 100 hertz. So they had these like test subjects so that were asked to listen and estimate how far away the rattlesnake was in like a grassland. And they guessed fairly accurately when it was like slower and at a lower frequency, like when they were further away. But when the when the rattles got faster, I guess like for our ears, our human sad little ears <laughs> that just don't understand things, we thought that they were much closer than they actually were. So they looked further into this. And kind of looked at like how snakes speak to other predators and other things all around. Mm -hmm. For us, when a rattlesnake shakes its tail like slowly, we can perceive like we hear like each rattle, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can hear it in there. Like it's the keratin. It's like these hollow things and it rattles around. But when it's like higher frequencies, the individual sounds of those rattles, it kind of it's like continuous. Like we listened to it last week, right? And it sounds completely different to us. So there's this neuroscientist at the University of Graz in Austria. His name's Boris Chagnod. I think that's how you say it. C-H-A-G-N-A-U-D. And he was the main author of the study. And he said that the higher frequency rattles sound louder to us, even though they're basically the same distance. Loudness. Oh, oh, like same, yeah, volume or whatever. Yes, right. But it's because like maybe the frequency, it sounds louder to us. And he said that it could be that it's the function of the rattling. It's like to confuse predators. Probably the way rattlesnakes communicate by rattling isn't meant for us because they were around millions of years before humans ever came to the Americas. So they were there a long time. And so their rattle is actually for other things. They think it's actually to try to confuse maybe like bison and grasslands to warn them. So and it's more of like a protection method to keep them from getting stepped on. So they don't get just pummeled into the earth. Yes. And they also say that like for other species like ground squirrels, they use the rattling frequency to tell how dangerous the snake is because I guess a warmer snake is more dangerous and they rattle faster. Also, pregnant snakes 
who have just given birth are more aggressive. Other snakes that are more hidden in their in their spot, they're less inclined, like they feel safe. Yeah. They may not rattle. Or if they're really well camouflaged, they may, and they feel like I'm in a good spot, they may not rattle at all. It's so interesting, right? That is pretty cool. And they talk a little bit about how probably, like I said, with the bison, a lot of the rattling is to keep them safe from predators. This is guy named Scott Boback. I'm thinking cool. he's an evolutionary by uh, ecologist at Dickinson College in Pennsylvania. And he used these remote cameras to study rattlesnakes. And he called it Project Rattle Cam, which I love when things get named cool stuff. He couldn't believe how many predators there are taking snakes. So there were red-tailed hawks, magpies, raccoons, skunks. They were saying the rattlesnakes actually have a lot to contend with, that there's so many predators that it's possible that a lot of the animals use this rattlesnake's rattle, not as a warning, but to find them and eat them. Oh, which kind of, I remember you were saying that they like might have through learned behavior might have stopped using their rattles to warn. Yes. I think there's all these studies going on to try to figure out, is it a warning Mm -hmm. to somebody coming close to them or is it actually a way to keep them from getting eaten but then so so then they think that it could be that the reason that the rattle is so confusing about where they are distance wise could Mm -hmm. be to confuse those predators sending them in different directions oh right it's really crazy it's like if you were in like a horror movie and you're you were on like one side of the room and the murderer was coming towards you and you like throw a can to (laughs) the other side of the room exactly i love it just throwing them off so in the end they're like look just for you, mm-hmm. since it's really hard for us to kind of know how far away they are from us by hearing the rattle and we assume they're much closer. But he's like, and in the end, just be careful. Like when you're in their environment, just mm-hmm. be careful where you sit and walk and put your put your hands and everything. And I like how it says maintain a distance of at least six feet. <laughs> we said it in the yeah. last episode. I know, right? Distance. Yeah. And, and the one thing I really like is that he said that the rattlesnakes deserve respect too. Mm. And he said they're actually, this is another guy, said they're actually extremely polite. They're warning us to where they are before we get to them. They're like, hey, bro. They're like, you know what? I'm here. So you stay over there. I'm going to be over here. It's all cool. It's all G. Yeah. And then you get a little closer and you're like, that's less than six feet. I don't I'm, know what you're trying to do. I'm really feeling uncomfortable right now. <laughs> and I'm letting you know. You really need to stop it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just kind of shows you that our poor dumb ears can't quite comprehend things right that really maybe evolutionarily wasn't meant for us this is true so not everything is meant for us i tell my son that all the time right not everything is about you you know what sometimes you (laughs) need to wear some slippers instead of trying to carpet the whole world there it is That was beautiful. That was a great science news. Well, I like how it tied into your thing last week. So tied in. I had another one, but I'll save it. Okay. Because we're going to be putting some extra science news. Extra science bonus news. Bonus nuggets on our Patreon. Some nuggies. Science news nuggies. We have a couple patrons to shout out at the end of this episode. We absolutely do. So we'll talk mm-hmm. more about that at the end. Excellent. I kind of know what your story is going to be about. I had to thank the suggestion and we both read the Instagram stuff. We have some, we have lists of ideas, but sometimes it's stuff you guys send us is way more interesting so we jump on it Mm -hmm. and I happen to know I was like you're not really gonna do a whole story on that are you and she's like 100% I am I'm gonna do it and so I'm a little scared because it's so yeah but anyway I'm here for you (laughs) we're all here for it let's just do this Megan this suggestion came from uh, an Instagram follower of ours Mr. Frost his first name is the actual word ready R-E-A-D-Y nice but that's how I read it ready okay so are you ready (laughs) 
Let's Jen. do this. His original suggestion was something kind of cool to talk about invertebrates, like giant centipedes and stuff. And I was like, that's nightmare situation. Uh-huh. I love it. Uh-huh. We should probably do that at some point. So that's a great suggestion. And we're definitely going to, you know, at one point do that story. But his second suggestion was about raccoons, about this story I'm going to tell you today about raccoons. We love raccoons. Yeah. What would there ever be to not like about raccoons? That's right. He told me a little or told us a little story about something that happened in Michigan. And so what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to talk about raccoons first. So we get some like good raccoon information. Then Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell the story. Because if I were to say what he wrote to us, it would just be like, story's over. Five minute podcast. Quickest story ever. Yeah. And then you just have to listen to his banter. For hours. There are so many places that I got information today. And of course, all of these links will be in the show notes as per usual. Humane Society, Mental Floss, PBS, National Geographic. There's a couple different stations in Atlanta, Philadelphia, Michigan that had some news stories. CBS, New York Daily News, Daily Mail, ABC, all these. Yeah, there's so many. Also, I don't know if I said it, but I did look at Britannica, even though I hate it. You know, I gave it a moment. Yeah, you, you used it in your last episode. And I was like, all right, let me go. look. And it wasn't it wasn't that horrible. But also raccoons are easy. Yeah. On some level. Imagine that being your job, Megan. <sighs> like here is the full set of encyclopedias. I want you to reword, redo all this. Put it on the website. Put it on the website. Start with A and just start working your way. <laughs> Whew. Dead. Yeah, just dead. That's all. (laughs) Raccoons are in the family. They're mammals. Obviously, we all should know that at this point. I don't know if uh, people don't know what raccoons are. No. I mean, they're not not necessarily all over the world, but they're pretty well known. I mean, people have seen Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, they come from the family Procyonidae. Procyon is kind of what you could call them. Procyonidae. Uh, There are 22 recognized subspecies of raccoons. And originally, Carl Linnaeus... Our friend Linnaeus, who we've talked about a few times in our mm-hmm, episodes, mm-hmm. Um, he put them in the Ursus genus, which, Jen, do you remember what Ursus are? Sure. But just remind me. <laughs> um, he categorized them as Ursus cauda elongate, and that means long-tailed bear. No. So originally he was like, these are bears. Oh, yeah. And then he re... Now I remember Ursus. Yeah, Ursus. Okay, sorry. Uh, no, it's all good. Because it's Ursus horribilis. Yes. That's right. (laughs) Thank you. The brown bear. So then he renamed them Ursus Lotor, which means washer bear, which we'll talk a little bit about why they have that name. I love thinking of them as little bears. Right? That's kind of, it's kind of cute. And actually I was reading that they are closer to bears genetically than they are to like weasels or smaller mammals like that. In 1780, Gottlieb Congrad Christian Storr created a separate genus for the species Procyon, meaning dog-like. Okay. There are six species native to North and South America. So 22 recognized all over the world and six species native to North and South America. And the one we're going to talk about today is the Procyon Lodor, meaning before dog washer. That's the literal meaning. It is the common raccoon that lives in the United States. So there are different subspecies in South America. Okay. And then the name raccoon comes from a behavior that we'll talk a little bit more about called dousing. Um, It looks like they're washing their hands, basically, because they use a lot of water on their hands. Uh, And I'm going to give you some examples of other languages that name raccoons based on this behavior. So in German, they're called washabar, which just sounds like washabar. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, in Norwegian, they're called vaskebjorn which means wash bear. Aww. In Chinese, they're called Huan Xiang, 
which means wash bear. Uh, in Italian, they're called orsetto lavatore, which means uh, little washer bear. Okay. <laughs> and in French, they're called raton lavier, which means little wash rat. Oh. So fuck the French. <laughs> like, why they got to call them a rat? They're not rats. Yeah. I mean, language is crazy. You never know. It's true. Because they go in the trash and stuff like rats. I mean, we do call them trash pandas. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So the English word raccoon is actually an adaptation of the native Powhatan word, meaning animal that scratches with its hands. So Powhatan is an indigenous tribe in North America that call them something similar to raccoon. I don't know the actual word okay. in that language, but that's where the English comes from. A group of raccoons are called a nursery or a gaze. Oh, interesting. And I saw something that was like, oh, formerly called nursery or gaze, but I don't know what it would be currently called because they didn't say what it was currently called so i think just nursery or gaze is fine feel like there's other things we call raccoons other than trash pandas and i'm trying to find what the other words are for our raccoons because uh, well one. there was another word that people would use for raccoons but i'm not going to use it because it's also a derogatory term oh yeah not that one. yeah that's Jesus. Okay, I've heard them called something else that's like cute, kind of funny, like trash panda. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, okay, go ahead. I know people have called them like trash bandits before. So let's talk about what they look like. They are the largest of the procyons. They average uh, anywhere from 24 to 38 inches. That's 61 to 97 centimeters in length and can weigh between 14 to 23 pounds, 6 to 10 kilograms. So basically a little bit of a larger cat. And there's your Britannica info right there. A done and done. <laughs> And that's all I used. They have grayish brown fur and almost 90% of their fur is extremely dense under fur, which insulates them against the cold. Oh, nice. So they're floofy, cat-sized, adorable animals. Uh, they have distinctive banding. I'm sure everyone has seen this. The five to eight light and dark rings that alternate on their tails. And then they have the black mask, which I'll talk about here in a second. I did watch a video where there were some elusive blonde raccoons. <gasps> and I think it was in Canada. I feel like that's where... Or British Columbia somewhere it was mm -hmm. like there was this island that had this subspecies of blonde raccoons that you know people talk about like mystical almost hmm. but the people who were looking for them never found them so maybe I don't it was know just real. like a uh, albino sans color mm -hmm. yeah uh, their hind legs are longer than their front legs that makes them look hunched. So whenever you see raccoons, like whenever you think about them, they're always kind of like, eh, <laughs> you know, like they're hunched back, like running at you like mm -hmm. a like a really angry cat or something. There was a behavioral scientist who's studying raccoons. There's actually a bunch of on the PBS link that I'm going to share. There's like a bunch of videos you can watch. I think it's called Raccoon Nation, which kind of made me laugh a That's little great. bit. This behavioral scientist described them, uh, their physicality to be like sumo wrestlers. They're like really thick on the bottom. Like they have big, strong legs. Mm -hmm. They have a low center of gravity. And that means that they can topple over things that you think they couldn't. It's like your trash can or oh, whatever. Okay, like okay. they have the ability to just like use that strength in their legs to knock stuff over. And I was like, man, raccoons would be amazing derby players. They're doing their squats. Yeah. Every day. Low center of gravity. They are exceptionally dexterous mm -hmm. with their little fingers. Their front paws have four times more sensory receptors than their back paws which is actually similar ratio to humans. Like our hands have more sensory receptors than our feet. I don't know. I, I feel like my feet have a lot of sensory receptors. I Yeah. There Every are time Legos. we go for a pedicure, it's, <laughs> it's like painful. The worst. Yeah. 
I have like a deal with my son that if Legos are on the ground and I step on them, they go in the garbage. No questions asked. No yeah, complaining. That's just cannot. They can differentiate between objects without seeing them by using their hands. And the method that I had mentioned earlier called dousing, where they put water on their hands, looks like they're washing their hands. They're actually putting water on their hands because it makes the sensory receptors more sensitive. And so they can feel more and detect more with their hands when they're wet. Oh, weird. Yeah. People used to say like, oh, they're so clean and all of this, but it's they're not being clean. They're actually just using the they're water their, as their, like a sensory yeah. conductor. Yeah. Oh, weird. I know. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Are we learning a lot here, nature nerds? Raccoons, as we all know, have masks across their face black masks mm-hmm. that helps them see clearly. It's very similar to how sports players wear black underneath their eyes to mm-hmm. absorb light. So you don't have that reflection up into your eyes. You can see more clearly. Mm. They're most active at night. So being able to reduce the light glare helps them focus their eyes in the dark. Makes sense. Yeah. I once did play a derby game with black under my eyes and it does totally help. Okay. You ever tried the paddling? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just like streaming down your face. I know. No. Paddling is one of those, especially like in a distance thing. It's just, Mm -hmm. you just don't want anything. It's a constant movement for hours. That sounds awful. Raccoons move in what's called plantigrade style, which I don't know if people have heard of this before, but it's basically how we walk. So we walk with the soles of our feet rather than like tippy toe. Right. Thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So they also walk in that way. Their soles of their feet, palms of their hands are on the ground, which also enables them to stand on their hind legs to examine things with their front paws when they're curiously looking at stuff yes male raccoons are called boars they're slightly larger than females and females are called sows so like pigs yeah like pigs i don't know and then the young are called kits like foxes huh maybe they just ran out of names they're pigs they go in the trash yeah but their babies are cute so we'll call them kits (laughs) the logic Someone's going to write us and be like, this is why. Oh, yeah. And it's okay. Please do. We love it. Originally, it was thought that they are very solitary animals. But now there's evidence that the species actually congregates in gender specific groups. So related females will actually share a den or common area together. And unrelated males will live together in up to anywhere to like four raccoons. And it's said that the males will do this in order to protect against other male raccoons coming in from other places into their territory. Right. So they'll be like, it's like their little gang. There's like going down the street, snapping their fingers. <laughs> Crossing their legs over like when they walk. Yeah. <laughs> when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. Yeah. Oh, boy. How big is their territory? Are you going to tell us? I'm going to tell you. Oh, I should have known Britannic- Miss Britannica. You. She has a Britannica hat on over there. Mating season is between January and July. And reproductive age for females is, a, is starts at about one years old. One years? One year old. One years old. That's pretty young. It's basically when they move out from their mom's place. They're like, let's do it. <laughs> they have a gestation period of 65 days. And typically one litter is two to five kits. And they are freaking cute go watch those pbs videos there's one where there's like a mom who finds a barn and she's trying to get her like a shed and she's trying to get all of her babies to go with her Mm -hmm. and one of them is just like not doing it he's having a real hard day and she has to go get him and like drag him inside it's it's kind of cute i'm gonna watch it mothers will leave the groups those like female groups they'll leave the group to go raise their kits alone males do not participate at all in the rearing of their offspring When kids are born, they're actually born with a black mask. So they come out already ready. (laughs) Ready for some some (laughs) banditing. Ready for some trash bandit (laughs) action. (laughs) 
kids will stay inside the den, so they won't leave the den ever for about eight to 10 weeks. Once they get past that, then they're going to learn how to actually go forage and they'll go out with their mom and the den will move around. They'll, mm-hmm. th- we'll talk about their dens. They'll stay with the mom and forage with her until they're about 13 to 14 months old. Got you. In the wild, a raccoon has a life expectancy of about two to five years, but in captivity, they can live up to 20 years. Oh, wow. You just get them like a tiny little couch and a bunch of chips. They're good to go. Totally. 20 years. Well, a lot of people have raccoons as pets. Oh, we're going to talk about it. It's a thing. It's a thing. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, people also have possums. Oh, sorry. Opossums. Opossums. <laughs> people also have opossums as pets. Not the best idea, but we'll talk about it. All right. Okay. So let's talk about their habitat, where they come from. Fossil evidence shows that ancestors of raccoons, the ones in the Procyon family, they lived in what is modern Europe about 25 million years ago. So that's where they came from. Species ended up crossing the Bering Strait at least 6 million years later. And then they settled, likely they settled in Central America in more tropical and subtropical areas. And they preferred riverbanks and shore areas uh, on islands in that region. So they're more like island raccoons. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's why they're so cool. That's why they're so chill. They're so chill. They're just like, like, whatever. They're like, bro. From the islands, man. 2.5 million years ago, they started to migrate north from Central America in these like islandy areas, tropical, subtropical areas. And they started to venture into deciduous and mixed forests in North America. Mm -hmm. And that's where they kind of like to live. They're commonly found also in parts of Canada, Mexico, and the northernmost regions of South America. They're not found in some parts of the Rocky Mountains or in southwestern states like Nevada, Utah, or Arizona. And I'm thinking probably it's too hot for them. It's just too hot. Yeah, I think that as they moved north, they got more used to that temperate climate. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're done with the tropics and subtropics. I mean, there are still some subspecies that live in those areas. Yeah. But like as this particular right. raccoon moved up. Yeah. Interestingly, barns were a big part of their movement in more modern times. Be And raccoons have used like people's barn areas or houses or abandoned buildings to like move their way up to the north as far as Alaska. So now wow. they're found in Alaska. Super cold areas. But they got that dense undercoat. Yeah, so they're good to go. And they eat a lot. Raccoons do really well in urban settings because there isn't, like, hunting isn't allowed there. Mm -hmm. uh, So they can't get trapped for fur or anything like that. Uh, There's way less predators and there's lots and lots of resources from us. Yeah. Smorgasbord. (laughs) Smorgasbord. Uh, The first urban sighting of a raccoon was in Cincinnati in the 1920s. During the 20th century, the species was introduced to other countries for hunting and fur trade. So they weren't in Europe at the time. Like they had already moved out of Europe over the Bering Strait, right? Like what what did I say? 20 million years ago, 19 million years ago, something like that. Anyway, they're introduced to Europe to stock fur farms. Because of that, raccoons are now also distributed across Europe and Russia. So when they were taken over to Europe and put into the stock farms, some hunters there thought it would be a good idea to just like release them into the wild so they could hunt them in the Mm -hmm. wild. There was some kind of thing about that there were bombings or there were some, I don't know if it was like wartime and that's how they got released into the wild as well. And it made me think of the heck cows, how there was like the heck cows, you know, got bombed and kind of sent out into the wild. From the zoos? From the zoos, yeah. Yeah. Well, I just wonder why how you would hunt them it's not like they run yeah they're really slow moving yeah i just (laughs) i feel like it's like hunting koalas or something it it is yeah it just doesn't seem like a species that you would 
hunt. You'd be super into hunting. Yeah, they're not. They're not. Or they're just thinking for food, easy prey. Yeah. Fur, I know thing. fur is like the big thing that yeah. that raccoon fur was like a really popular fur yeah. in the early 1900s. Maybe that is kind of what they were going for. But like maybe a Daniel they, Boone hat. Yeah, like a Dan, everyone had a Daniel Boone hat. Yep. I mean, I wasn't there then, but it was like a thing. <laughs> we weren't alive yet, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> raccoons would be like, bro, I am going to just go get in that trash can. I'll be there. Can you just leave me alone? Yeah. I don't know. And they're awkward runners. Like that one guy said, they're more like sumo wrestlers. Like they're not. <laughs> Somebody will write us about that. They're not built for speed. No. <laughs> All right. So this is kind of, I think, the cutest way that raccoons got introduced to a country. And we're going to talk about Japan. Everything's cute in Japan. <laughs> it's true. Specifically, they are found in Japan only because in 1977, there was an anime character named Rascal the Raccoon, and he was a raccoon. Raccoon. A raccoon. And he was a pop cultural pop culture obsession. Like Hello Kitty. Like Hello Kitty. He's not a kitty. I read a couple of articles that were like, the children demanded that they have pet raccoons, you know? Oh and I'm like, God. if my kid came in and was like, get me a pet raccoon, I'd be like, no. <laughs> like, I don't, um, no. I don't know. So uh, I, I think it was more like parents thought it would be super cute. And at one point in the late 70s and 80s, Japan was importing roughly 1,500 of them a month. What? 1,500 raccoons. I had no idea. <laughs> idea of this there's just some farmer right who just like so many raccoons on his property and he's just like god take them you know yeah i is that crazy 1500 a month over i don't know how many months a lot you know what happens and they're just in everybody's apartments (laughs) just tiny apartments in japan tokyo is just like full of raccoons raccoons everywhere you know they get the raccoon and they're thinking like oh this is gonna be like a cat same size it's a wild animal there's no domestication to these animals at all they're very clever we'll talk about that too so what happens you know what happens jen when people get animals that they can't handle they don't know what to do with them and something small they set them free they're like go live in the world yes and so a bunch of people were like go live in the world wild raccoons yeah they're overrun with (laughs) they have a lot of raccoons in the wild in japan since the like I think mid 80s Japan has prohibited importing and owning raccoons uh, but the descendants of that initial boom have spread to 42 of the 47 prefectures in Japan and there was actually some kind of count I'm trying to remember what it was but in Hokkaido they're in Hokkaido and it's like it's, I, I don't know millions of dollars of damage the, bear, but the, the bears are like these are good they're like these hors d'oeuvres are, these are great yeah we're into this Populations in North America have skyrocketed in the past several decades, and that's despite, I feel like they are the one species that's like counterintuitive. Their habitat is being just like demolished. The forest, mixed mm-hmm. deciduous forests are being demolished, and the raccoon is still growing in number. They're like, we're cool with it. Fragmentation, no problem. <laughs> Does not matter. It, they're like, we will live wherever we can live, and we're going to figure Your garage. it out. Your garage. Yeah. It's fine. You took down my tree, so I'm just going to move in to right. your backyard. I'll just be right here. It's Don't all good. worry about it. Yeah. There are 20 times more raccoons in cities than there were 70 years ago. The raccoon capital of the world. Do you want to guess where it is? I do. Is it Atlanta? Oh, I wish. Oh. No, it's not. Where? It's Toronto. Really? Yeah. Oh, I know. I also. There's 50 times more raccoons living in Toronto than in the surrounding countryside. Wow. Like yeah. Toronto, what are you guys doing with your garbage? Yeah, they need to, they need to start <laughs> composting more. Uh, so they come out at dusk and forage and hunt. 
So they do both foraging and hunting. If they're in the forest, they'll make their dens in hollow trees, rock crevices, and they also make ground dens, kind of like foxes. Okay. In human populated areas, some might use nearby woods to den, but they will also use anything. Buildings, sheds, barns, whatever. You have a rock pile in your backyard, there might be a raccoon den in there. They can use up to 20 den sites at one time. So they don't have like like a home base. They're just like wherever the fuck. It makes me think more that they are these little bandits. They go around and they're like, listen, I have a safe house over here. Safe house over here. Yeah. It's all good. It's so clever. It's super clever. So their home range is really dependent upon what their food supply is like, what kind of shelter they have. But on average, their home range is about one mile. Or if they're in a city setting, it's about three blocks. That's their home range. Is that their territory? Yeah. yeah. So for males, they don't want other males coming with Coming in, in one mile radius. Yeah. Sort of. But they're not super aggressive when it comes to territory. It seems like they're kind of like, eh. I mean, I think during mating season, they become more aggressive. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, they're just, just kind of like... like- have some sharp language. Yeah. They're like, hey, man. Look, I'm not happy with you. Hey, Polly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> they just take their little claws, like scratch underneath their chin. Yeah. And if they're in LA, well, that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> <laughs> when they're in city settings, they prefer it turns out to be in people's backyards uh-huh. than like a park area. If they had an option between like your backyard and Central Park, they'd be like your backyard. So they'd rather be closer to people's houses because there's more junk. And there's more hidey holes. Yeah. And like less other animals to deal with. Except for your cats and dogs. No matter where they live, they're very intelligent. But city raccoons are especially cunning. Hmm. So they've done actual studies on this. And there's this psychologist and biologist. Wait, she's a psychologist and a biologist? Yes. At York University in Toronto, named Suzanne MacDonald. So, like M A C? Yeah. So, Suzanne put GPS collars on rural raccoons and city raccoons. And she learned that the city raccoons with the collars had learned things like how to avoid major traffic intersections, um, how to get through tricky garbage lids. Like, if people kind of like fastened their lids with things, they would figure out how to open them up. Uh, And that they were, in general, just more street smart. Wow. And she put out garbage cans in both settings. So in urban and rural, same kind of garbage cans, same kind of contraptions, whatever. And the city raccoons could figure it out, like, no problem. But the country raccoons... They could not. They could not yeah, figure it out. because that wasn't their that It wasn't, wasn't their, their deal. Speaking of what they eat, raccoons have been described as the most omnivorous mammal in the world. They will eat just about anything. So they're just super opportunistic. Super opportunistic. Yeah. If they're in like a natural setting in the forest, they're going to eat fruits, plants, nuts, berries, insects, rodents, frogs, eggs, and crayfish. All the things. That's all the things. Right. And there is a video on that same PBS link where you can see the raccoon in like a stream kind of picking out crayfish fish and eating them and it is so cute they're just like little wet hands and they're all what's a crayfish and they just eat it i'm picturing it in urban environments they will sift through garbage this is where they got that adorable nickname trash panda but yeah they will eat anything anything in the garbage and we throw away a lot of stuff we throw away a lot of stuff yep there's no limit they're like look you just need to scrape the mold off the top and it's perfectly good raccoons carry a lot of diseases and for rabies specifically they are a primary carrier for the rabies virus in the u.s and they're referred to as a rabies vector species the cdc reports that only one human has ever died from the raccoon strain of rabies. Raccoons can be asymptomatic carriers 
but they can also get rabies. They could not be showing signs, bite you, and you could be infected with rabies. If you get a raccoon bite, you would need to get the rabies uh, vaccine. Which I hear is terrible. In your stomach. Like a bunch of them. Yeah, it's like nine shots. Like that never got Um, any better over the years? Like they couldn't like Put it in like a pill or something? Yeah. (laughs) Like one shot or something? Uh, My mom always told this story about how she was attacked by cats, like these feral cats in in Queens one time. That sounds terrible. I don't know what the situation was, but that she had to get the rabies shot and then yeah. it was like a bunch of shots in her stomach and it was awful and she remembers it yeah that is awful well i know that if like a dog or a cat bites somebody or attacks somebody um you have to send the head for right testing because you can't test for rabies while it's alive right isn't it what's it called the lining around the brain yeah it's like in encephala something blah yes. blah, blah. <laughs> but you have to send the head and i when i worked at the vet hospital we had to do that a couple of times it was, it was real gross yeah so if they are rabid they'll usually die within one to three days of becoming infectious people have been bitten by them and not Mm -hmm. died but there's only ever been one person who's ever died from that the cdc has recorded has died from a raccoon rabies infection. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's a pretty low chance of ever going to die. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Probably you'll just have to get the shots. The odds are real good there. If you come across a raccoon and you are worried that they might carry or might have rabies at the time, they're maybe rabid. Uh, there are some things that you can look for to indicate that they're sick. Uh, one is that they're, they have like a staggering gait. So they look like they're drunk, just like all yeah. over the place. Uh, they're seemingly oblivious to noise or nearby movement. Uh, they're erratically wandering if they have discharge from their eyes or mouth, if they have wet and matted hair on their face, and if they repeat a high-pitched vocalization. In this last one, I was like, what? The last thing is self-mutilization. Mut- mutilization? That's not even a word. Self-mutilation. Mutilation. Wow. Sounds very like they're some sort of zombie. Yeah. It's like a horror show right there. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, if any of those, that sounds Like awful. any of those things? Yeah. It's like, have you seen Cujo? Mm. If they're all crazy-eyed and just gross, like just fucking run like hell. Right? If you see this, call local animal control or wildlife rescue. There was some article that was like, call the cops. And I'm like, no, call wildlife rescue. <laughs> call like, someone just, who deals I'm with animals. I'm just seeing a bad movie in my head. Like you run in your car. Yeah. Try to lock the door and it's just like on the windshield <laughs> you're trying to turn on your wipers to get it off your phone like you have no signal like yeah. you just it's just all yeah. bad fumbling for the keys fumbling for the keys it comes it manages to unlock the door this is what happens <laughs> Anyway, uh, some other fun diseases that uh, raccoons can carry, parasites Uh also, they can carry, pass on. One is a roundworm found in raccoon feces that can infect humans and pets, leptospirosis, feline parvovirus, so parvo in cats, and then canine distemper. They can carry Mm -hmm. that as well. And then lastly, I was like, "Mm, okay, trichinella. So if you eat raccoon and you don't cook it all the way, you can get uh, trichinosis. Which you get from eating uncooked Pork. Yeah. yeah, and that's the one that's like the tiny worms and cysts that just burrow into your muscle Ugh. and then birth themselves in your muscle. Ugh. No, thank you. No bueno. Some things to prevent issues if you live in a place with raccoons. You want to prevent the chance of getting any of these things or having to deal with raccoons. Uh, Number one, don't leave cat food outside and don't actively feed raccoons. Secure your garbage cans. Keep raccoons out of attics and crawl spaces by securing homes, apartments. Make repairs for possible breach areas. Uh, Supervise young children and pets outdoors to make sure they don't come in contact with raccoon feces. Can you, I mean, <laughs> what, what do you have there, little Timmy? Look, Bob. 
<laughs> I'm making a mud pie. Uh, yeah. Well, I imagine, you know, there's a lot of houses that have that kind of crawl space underneath. Yeah. It'd be really hard to keep them out of those areas. It, and attics for sure. Like they have like vent type situations. Yep. Yeah. That's a big problem. I mean, that is one bonus here on Guam is we live in these concrete blocks. Yeah. <laughs> there's just nothing. You can't get in there. There's no way. It's not happening. It's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> if you find raccoon droppings or urine, clean it up properly. And I'm, I mean, I, I'm thinking this means like in your house or in like a crawl space or something like that. If you find it, they okay. clean it. I can't imagine you're just going to be walking around in like the forest or your yard. <laughs> With <laughs> a like tissue. Neighboring yard. Yeah, you're just like, trying to pick ew, it up. just picking it up. And then lastly, call local animal control or wildlife control to help you if you have an infestation problem. Okay. What do they do with them? Well, so they'll try to re-release them in areas. I think some will. Some will um, just get rid of them. If they're more of like an invasive situation, because raccoons are least concerned on the IUCN. They're actually, I'll talk about a little bit later, there are a couple species in Central America that are endangered, but the ones in North America, Canada, Alaska, Europe. Well, Europe and Japan, they're just flat out invasive pests. So I'm thinking animal control in those areas would just kill them. Similar to what we do with like the brown tree snake here. Right. Are they pretty destructive? They're pretty destructive. Oh, Japan? Yeah. Okay. Uh, they cause destruction in buildings and when they're making their dens and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There are some risks and predators to raccoons. Cougars, bobcats, and coyotes. Oh, for sure. Are all predators. Uh, but the biggest deal is disease, infection, and then lastly, run-ins with cars. Oh, yeah. I've seen it. Those are the primary risks. Right. for the species. I have some random facts. Let's hear them. About raccoons. Love random facts. <clears throat> yeah. Raccoons were originally going to be a model for animal experimentation. Like they were going to be the animal, instead of lab rats, it was going to be raccoons uh-huh. in the early 20th century because they're so intelligent and they have a curious nature. Mm-hmm. So it was thought that they would be a really good animal to use in experiments. But they're super hard to breed, apparently, uh, in captivity. And they are really difficult to keep in large quantities. I guess because they're so... Messy? Maybe. Well, it does say that they have tendencies to chew through their cages, pickpocket researchers. I was going to say, I bet you they keep escaping. (laughs) Yeah. And they had a tendency to hide in air vents. So once they get out, it's like... No, it's it's done deal. So much harder to keep them. Yeah. I just love that they would pickpocket researchers. Look over there. It's a a monkey. Just pulling wallets all over the place. Taking bus rides. (laughs) Going to the bar. Like, yeah, this is me, Joseph. Um, (laughs) In the early 1900s, there's an ethologist, H.B. Davis. He gave 12 raccoons a series of lock tests in order for them to access treats inside locked boxes. So it was like... The hooks, bolts, buttons, latches, and levers. And then some boxes had more than one lock. And in the end, the raccoons were able to get past 11 of the 13 mechanisms. Wow. Because their hands are so good. Like they have... They're able Dexterity. to like hold things. Yeah. yeah. They have- They're able to like mm-hmm. fiddle around. They're like little MacGyvers. Yeah. <laughs> they, are. they are little MacGyvers. <laughs> oh, I miss MacGyver. There was a series of studies in the mid to late 20th century that showed that raccoons can remember solutions to tasks for up to three years. Wow. They have a good memory, too. We should bring them to Guam. Teach them to kill snakes. They would be into it. They would eat them. I'm sure. They'd be like, we have an idea. Hear us out. Listen, (laughs) we know that we said we wanted to bring elephants to stomp the snakes. Okay, forget it. Forget Forget it. it. Moving on. Raccoons. Raccoons. (laughs) 
Uh, Christopher Columbus was said to be the first individual to have written about the species, which I feel like is just more proof that he didn't come to North America first because they were in Central and South America. At that time? At that time. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're still there now. So Uh, in the winter, a raccoon does not hibernate, but it can sleep in its den for weeks. So it usually eats like two times its body weight. Like it just gets real friggin fat in winter and then it'll sleep, but it's not like fully hibernating. I forget what that's called. Torpor? Torpor? What's it? You know did you about? just make up a word? I didn't. I swear that's a real torpor. word. Hold on. Hold on. Let me look it up. Let me look it up. We're just going to commercial break. And we're back. It is called torpor. Torpor. Jen. T-O-R-P-O-R. It is a state of inactivity where it's not full on hibernation. It's just like low activity. They're basically sleeping. It's like Sundays. <laughs> it's every Sunday with me and the cats and Saber. Right. That's what we torpor. That's yes. what we do. Don't okay. bother me. <laughs> yeah. They should just change the... Sunday to torpor. Excellent. A raccoon can run at speeds of up to 15 miles per hour. Holy crap. That's kind of fast. That's but pretty- it's not that... F- if you're thinking about in the animal realm, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, they don't look like they're very they're not, fast. Like yeah. they would be fast runners. They're not sloths, but they're not cheetahs either. You know what I mean? But I still think that was faster than I thought it was yeah. going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, raccoons are also very good swimmers and they can stay in water for several hours. They have a variety of vocalizations, including hisses, whistles, screams, growls, oh, really? and snarls. Now I really want to look up a raccoon scream. Do you want me to do it? We <laughs> yes. can play it. That's it. There's a variety of sounds. Oh, that's kind of cute. That is kind of cute. That's like, help! Oh my god, the next sound that was going to come up on the YouTube was a rooster crowing. Oh. I'm like, thanks, but no thanks. We're good. <laughs> Thank you, we're good. <laughs> Moving along. I kind of like their little sounds, though. It's kind of cute. They're cute. Yeah, it's pretty cute. Like, I was thinking the scream when I'm thinking, like, the cougar uh, puma episode. God. That, that was frightening. I, that's still, I feel like I'm still getting nightmares from that. Yeah, totally. It's awful. Fun fact. Raccoons can climb down trees and other objects headfirst, which is very unusual for a mammal that big. They can do it because they rotate their hind feet so they're pointing backwards. Oh, that's kind of gives me that weird like exorcist. Crawling up the stairs or down the stairs or whatever vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you think of that whole like how to know if they're rabid and then they do that. (laughs) (laughs) It's the full on like possessed zombie was that one of the things listed (laughs) (laughs) they're like on the ceiling right (laughs) (laughs) it's like twisting their head backwards (laughs) full on nightmares and they're in japan jen oh my god they have just super long hair coming out of the corner of your room (laughs) why my Uh, eyes are watering it's like i'm gonna cry because i hate it and their little black beady eyes so creepy remember when they were cute remember <laughs> let's go back to that when they would watch they the would wash their little hands in the stream <laughs> but really they're just wetting their hands so they can feel your face oh my god <laughs> so they can leave the wet prints when they come out of your tv <laughs> you'll see the wetness on the floor <laughs> all of a sudden i just got super creepy <laughs> Is there? I wonder if there's a horror movie about raccoons. There's got to be. Hey. Well, I'm about to tell anybody, you a story. Can anybody out there? Well, if there isn't, after I feel like after this episode, there will, there will be. be. Yeah. yeah Somebody's sure. going to put one together. Oh, my God. Okay. The next fun fact is, Jen, 
they're able to both sweat and pant to dissipate heat. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Usually sweat animals that are where? so furry, I guess everywhere. I don't know. Or maybe it's just like underarms in their crotch. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> now I'm picturing them with like sweatbands and leg warmers. <laughs> Which is cute. We're back to cute. God damn it. That's adorable. (laughs) So this is a fun fact that I totally chose because I recently watched all of Fargo, the TV series. Which is why the episode was late last week, you guys. It's just, let's be real right (laughs) now. If you haven't seen Fargo, though, come on. It's, if you have seen Fargo, you know what I'm talking about. That series is so freaking good. Raccoons are thought to be colorblind, or at least, like, they can't distinguish color very well. But their eyes are super well adapted for sensing green light. And in the, I think it was the second season of Fargo, there's this kind of, like, crazy dude. And he's, like, you know, killing a bunch of people. He's a, uh, I'm sorry, I think it's the first season, my bad. First season of Fargo. He's he's like a hitman, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he asks a question that's like, why is it that humans can detect more shades of green? Do you know why? From nature type outdoors things. Yes. For like hunting gathering type things predators Pre- oh predators okay. that uh it, like being able to see all the different shades of green enables you to see a predator more clearly because a lot of times predators are camouflaged right like in like a green area yeah and yeah and whatnot i saw that little thing about that they could see green really well and i was like for predators well i mean they have to have something they can't do because it seems like they're just the jack of all trades they are they can just do and be anything I feel like they really they can be Jen. They can be <laughs> the cutest best friend you've ever had. Or they can be a monster of chaos. A soul sucking demon <laughs> coming out of your television and or corner <laughs> of your ceiling everywhere on the spectrum. These are the three subspecies that I had mentioned earlier. So while most subspecies are considered least concern and pests in a lot of their ranges, the Bahamas raccoon, Guadalupe raccoon and Trey Maria's raccoon were classified as endangered by the IUCN in 1996. There's a Bahamas raccoon? Cannot be native. That's where they originated. Remember when they came over on the Bering Strait, they went down to Central America and they spread out through islands. It's so unusual. I mean, it's very unusual to have a native mammal on an island. On an island. I mean, fruit bats are usually the only. Mm -hmm. I think because Bahamas also is a little bit closer to like larger land, but still. But still. Yeah. All you ever wanted to know about raccoons and more. Here today. All right, let's talk about pet raccoons. Okay. Raccoons are sometimes kept as pets, but I just want to remind everybody that they are wild animals, so please don't. Okay. Calvin Coolidge did have a pet raccoon in the White House. Her name was Rebecca, and I don't know if it's true, but they were going to eat her, and he thought she was so cute that they decided not to eat her, and they kept her as a pet. They feed the President of the United States raccoons. (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca, the the White House raccoon, was given an engraved collar for Christmas. She took part in the annual Easter egg roll. So I guess that's the Easter egg hunt on the White House grounds. They just rolled her. Right. They just, down the hill. They put her inside a giant Easter egg container and rolled <laughs> her down the hill. It was really fun. She's like, I hate being a pet. <laughs> yeah. This sucks. Uh, the president took her on walks also around the White House grounds. I'm assuming in the Rose Garden. I hope he picked up her poo if she pooped in the Rose Garden because they could get diseases. <laughs> From the Rose Garden, right? Just reporters come to do interviews. <laughs> and they all, they all get like roundworm. <laughs> they all get rabies. They're like, what, what happened? 
Coolidge, and this is not to his credit, Coolidge also had a bunch of other pets, quote unquote pets, a bobcat, a goose, a donkey, two lion clubs, an antelope, and a wallaby while he lived in the White House. Okay. So that guy's into exotic shit. Lion cubs. Was into exotic shit. Yeah. Okay. Which became full grown lions, which went where? To a zoo, I'm sure. Just out there. He He just just let let them go. (laughs) (laughs) He was like you and the raccoon. On his like. Have fun. His like opponents. His campaign like. There's like a an arena underneath the White House. <laughs> like super gladiator style. <laughs> In places where keeping raccoons as pets is not forbidden, an exotic pet permit may be required. So again, don't do it. But if you do have a pet raccoon, I hope you have a permit. They are unpredictable and can be aggressive. They have a tendency to be unruly. They like to steal shit from you. So <laughs> there's that. They're also super smart. Like we've talked about, they have those super agile paws and forearms. So even if they're younger, they can easily get into anything. They can unscrew things, unlock things, uncork things, open them. However, they might be sealed. So these are reasons why you should not have a raccoon as a pet. Mature raccoons will also be really aggressive during like mating season, uh-huh. like January to July, uh, and they will bite or be like aggressive towards people. So question, I'm raising my hand. What if you had them spayed or neutered? There was a mention about that if you got your raccoon spayed or neutered, that they would have a better temperament. Um, and I totally took it out of this because I don't want people to get pets, pet raccoons. <laughs> I know. Megan. Oh, I'm sorry. But I mean, I mean, it's, I'm just saying. If you did have a pet raccoon, they should be spayed and neutered, just like if you had a pet cat or dog. If there's a person who say they rescued a raccoon from certain death and they don't have kids, yeah. they're just by themselves and maybe the they live by a wilderness area and sure. the raccoon goes in and out and they just kind of take care. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. just saying there's not, I don't think, I would it's not s- like, it's a little different than having like a chimpanzee or a bear yeah. or a lion. If we were going to put them on a list of wild animals as pets, you could make an argument for maybe it would be okay. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, to me, it's really up to the person. Right. I mean, if something bad happens from doing that, then it's like, well, you knew. Right. Okay. It's a wild animal. I'm of the opinion that you should not keep a raccoon. Probably best practices. Best practice. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, They can become obese and they can suffer from disorders due to poor diet and lack of exercise. And they can actually get gout. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Because a lot of people, I guess, who keep pet raccoons or feed raccoons around their house will feed them cat food thinking, oh, this is what they want. But they're omnivores. And cat food is too much protein. Yeah. Yeah. If you're gonna feed your... Give it some variety? I don't know. But yeah, apparently because they're eating a lot of cat food, that causes gout, causes issues. And if they're just kind of chilling out, they have like a regular food source and you're keeping them in a cage or indoors. They're not doing anything. Right. Um, They're just on the recliner. They're just chilling. Watching Netflix. Exactly. Uh, Interesting fact. It is now required by law for raccoon pet uh, owners in Austria and Germany to keep at least two individuals, two individual raccoons together because they can get lonely. Oh. So I think this is a result of those social studies about their behavior and that they're not solitary animals that they like to be together. What if you did have one? Just saying. Sure. You rescued it. Yeah, yeah. You're not a bad person. Mm. You have cats and dogs that they blend with. They're unpredictable. So that's okay. my thing is that you don't know if they're going to be okay with everything. And you can't really train them. So you can teach them tricks, but you can't train them to be obedient. 
Like you can with cats. Like you can with cats. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, like <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Excuse me, teacher Megan, but. <laughs> Listen, my cats are totally trained. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but yeah, they're pretty unpredictable. If you were to choose between having a feral cat in your house mm-hmm. and a domesticated, like kind of indoor cat, I think that's what we're talking about, the difference. Okay. Is that raccoons are closer to feral than they right. are to Right, because they're, they're more wild, yeah, yeah. than a domesticated yeah, yeah, yeah. cat. I totally get that. You know we're going to hear back from a lot of people who have raccoons as pets or grew up with a raccoon as a pet. It's true. And it's okay. We want to hear the stories because I feel like we're on different... We're, even we're on different we, sides, yeah. Yeah, even Megan and I don't totally agree on it, so it's there. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. If you've raised a pet, uh, a pet raccoon, or you had mm-hmm. one growing up, mm-hmm. or you have any experience with like, hey, maybe you're in wildlife rehabilitation. rehabilitation. Yes. And so give us, we like all the thoughts and opinions. And I did at one point work at the Chattahoochee Nature Center, and they have a wildlife rehabilitation center, and there were like opossums there mm-hmm. that couldn't be re-released, you know, and so they were, I think, treated more like a pet than... Another fun fact about mm-hmm. Austrian and German raccoons is that they are required to be kept in indoor or outdoor pens, so they're not allowed to be loose in your yard or in your house or outside or anything like that because oh. they cause so much damage to property. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Scratching and mm-hmm. chewing and all the things, breaking right. stuff. It's their thing. Let's talk about a girl named Charlotte Ponce. And it's spelled like Ponce, like Ponce de Leon. Uh, when Charlotte is three months old, this is 2002, she's living with her 15-month-old brother, her 18-year-old mom, and her 23-year-old father in a pole barn that was converted into an apartment behind her grandparents' house in Ravenna, Michigan. So it's a small village, I'm using quotes, near Muskegon, Michigan, on the eastern side of Lake Michigan. Cold AF. And side note, if you don't know what a pole barn is, it's basically like pavilions are set up with poles on like around the the edges uh-huh. uh, and then a pole barn is just like an enclosed area that's been made into that has been made enclosed underneath that pavilion like thing so instead of being a barn where it has like framed walls mm-hmm. that you put up uh it's like the poles are the first things to go up to hold the roof and then you build something inside of there so that's kind of what it was like converted a converted yeah. area she and her brother were left in that in their house at the pole barn for an unspecified amount of time and i tried to find all the original stuff about what had happened uh, in 2002 but I I found much later articles like I couldn't find the original articles in 2002 that gave a lot of details so I had to piece together what was in these different articles and some of them say different things so I'm just going to give you what I think is the best explanation. Okay. And all of those articles will be linked. So her and her brother are there. I don't know how long they were there. The parents, when they were talking with police later, gave a number of different accounts, like for how long they were gone or where they were or what was going on or who was supposed to be watching the kids. Um, Charlotte was in her crib, I think. Okay. In another room, there was a pet raccoon in a cage and the cage was not fully secure. The parents come back home after, again, some unspecified amount of time and they discover the raccoon chewing on Charlotte's face. She's screaming. The brother is screaming and crying. Mom calls 911. Charlotte is rushed to the hospital. Child welfare, of course, comes in immediately, takes her one-year-old brother. His name is Marshall, by the way. I don't think I mentioned that. Um, And they take him to a foster care facility and they start an investigation. That is a nightmare. Yeah. So now raccoons aren't so cute anymore. Now they aren't so cute anymore. Now they're back to the little demon. Just harbingers of chaos yes three-month-old charlotte was in critical condition in the hospital so the raccoon had come in and chewed away her right ear her nose 
all of her nose <gasps> no. um, and part of her lip and her cheekbone. And there's some conflicting... Her cheekbone? Her cheekbone. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, there are some conflicting stories. Some say the raccoon was motivated because they had left a, a bottle inside the crib with her propped up by her face for her to eat. So she had like milk all over her. Yeah. So like maybe she fell asleep with it. Right. Yeah. And some people, some had said in different articles, like her aunt had said, oh, it was maybe drool on her face. Uh-huh. But again, like there's like a milk factor. Babies are always like, they're just Milky. milk. Yeah. yeah. They just smell like milk. They got milk all over them. Oh, they smell so good too. Mm. Uh, and then there's another report that said that the parents didn't feed the raccoon enough. And so it was hungry. And I'm like, God, that's the worst report. I didn't, yeah, I, I kind of feel like the bottle situation, maybe the drool with milk. No, in it's it, a combo. That makes sense. I mean, yeah. it was probably was hungry. This is true. But I can tell you for sure there's one reason that I feel that this happened. It is because the raccoon is a wild animal and shouldn't belong in uh, the home as a pet. 100%. I agree with you on that with yeah, little kids. Um, and also these parents, again, where were they? What were they doing? <sighs> yeah. So that night or later in the week, I'm not sure exactly, but Sharon and Tim Ponce were watching the 11 o'clock news. And they had actually turned on the 11 o'clock news because someone from their church called to say that a baby from the church had been attacked. And so they were like, let's see what happened. And they watched this story about a little girl who was mauled by a pet raccoon. And I don't know if her the parents' names were mentioned, I think because she would have been a, a minor at the time that they wouldn't have said her name. But they realize, oh my God, this is our great niece. Like, this is our family. Yes. And they're like, holy shit. And she looks over at Tim, Sharon does. And she's like, we got to help. Like, oh my God. Yeah. This is nuts. Um, in an interview, Sharon says, quote, our faith means a lot to us. We had lost a child to crib death. We knew what it was like. I think we had a we had a heart to take care of a baby that needed help. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's so sweet. Yeah. Because <laughs> at the time they have older kids, two older boys. Yeah. Um, so they contacted the children's birth mom and grandparents. So Sharon's brother is the grandfather mm-hmm. of Charlotte and offered to serve as temporary foster parents while the authorities investigated because i think that the pole barn was on her brother's property so i don't know maybe they couldn't take the babies yeah because it wouldn't be removing it from that that area yeah so these these folks take uh charlotte and her brother marshall and like i said at the time their oldest son luke had moved on to college and their youngest son aaron he was 14 and they felt like they were planning to be empty nesters soon and they had lots of room and they had the means to help out Mm -hmm. so like we're gonna take this baby in two months after the attack Charlotte was released. So two months later, she's released from the hospital. She's on a feeding tube and she needs like breathing treatments. Just awful. And Sharon says the first night she kind of was like before they took in Charlotte to the house when she was still at the hospital, they were like, we can do this. Like they felt super good about it. And the first night she was like, whoa, this is way more than I thought it was going to be. And she was struggling to hook up the feeding tube and ended up kind of freaking out. And she calls this friend from her church who's also a nurse. And that lady comes over and helps her through it like shows her how to do the feeding tube shows her how to do the breathing stuff um and she kind of works it out her and tim figure it out she said that the most difficult thing though was that at night charlotte would have these crying fits just like heartbreaking screaming crying fits of course and she was like she sharon says i had never heard a baby cry like that my hair would stand up on my arms it was like she was reliving it over and over again this little three month old four month old baby yeah every time it happened marshall her her brother who's like 
a year and a few months would get up and be like, is Charlotte okay? Is Charlotte okay? And Sharon said it was a long time before he wasn't hanging on me all the time. Because just imagine this, like these two little babies in the house. Yeah. The birth parents lost custody of the kids and the Ponces continued to foster them. Sharon's brother... Mm-hmm. The grandfather, his daughter, the birth mom, tried to regain custody in 2004, but she lost all of her parental rights. They were legally terminated. So she she didn't win the case. She's basically like no longer allowed to be Charlotte and Marshall's mom. Wait, this seems like there were bigger things at play than I, just leaving them alone for a little bit with a rack. Right? I mean, that's bad, but I'm just saying if... It seems like there were other issues happening. And I is I really wondered about that. I was like, did was there like drug stuff going on? Were there like, you know, other child endangerment calls? Was this the first time? Um, and I couldn't find anything. I don't know if it's like court records are sealed or some weird thing, but I couldn't find stuff yeah. about why this happened other than they had a pet raccoon and it ate their baby's face. And then this yeah. is, you know, now they can't be parents anymore. So I don't know what the deal is, but that's kind of yeah. how it was presented. The birth mother tried to appeal in 2005 it was turned down and so the ponces adopted charlotte and marshall outright because they'd been fostering them for all that time right this caused a big rift in their family and apparently to this day sharon's brother won't speak to them charlotte is three at this point in 2005 okay and she goes in for her first facial reconstruction surgery when she's three and they want to repair the deep scars in her cheeks from and like the missing parts of her cheekbone and stuff mm-hmm. um sharon said that after the operation she looked like someone had hit her with a baseball bat her face was bruised and she had restraints on her arms i guess to not touch her face oh my god she's so little i just can't i mean it's even like you know i don't know for parents out there like anything that happens to your kid even just taking them in to get shots yeah it's like painful for me i can't imagine what it's like to go through as a parent when your kid needs a major surgery yes like i can't i can't even sharon says after this she says, any pity I felt for them, the bar- the birth parents, went, sorry, but this little girl should not have to Was put up like with this. like a P-F-F-F-T? P-F-F-F-T, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, she felt like their negligence had caused her to suffer. Her whole life. And so she's like, F these guys. And she said, we were willing to accept them and they could be like an aunt and uncle, but they didn't want to accept that. And she said it was hard for the children because I think at that point they kind of still were interacting with their parents. And it's like now they're saying goodbye to their parents on top of all of this. Right. That's terrible. Um, so there's this doctor who's an expert in children's facial deformities, and his name is Dr. Uh, Concrete Chiasate. Hopefully I said that right. Um, he ended up using parts from Charlotte's ribs to form and structure her nose and ear. So he took these like little kind of shavings, I guess, and formed them into these different pieces. And then he used skin grafts from her forearm and forehead to reconstruct her nasal lining and the skin covering her nose. And I actually watched this video of how he did the ear reconstruction it was kind of interesting he took those pieces of rib and then he made them into an ear shape like the Uh top of your ear all the cartilagey parts of your ear right and then he implanted it under the skin in her forearm and then it grew there for a number of months wow like extra skin there's like a picture of like her arm with the ear in it it looks it's so weird but it's kind of cool you know like anyway and so then he extracted it and he attached it to her head wow yeah and she could still hear like her inner ear stuff was still okay it was just the the outside ear that was had been removed. Uh-huh. I don't think they interview her directly, but this was apparently the most 
most important surgery to Charlotte at the time because she's at this point. So the first surgery that she had, she was like three. And then it's like a number of surgeries over the years. And this is in 2017. She's like a preteen at this point. And she bought all these pairs of earrings. And all she wants to do is wear earrings. Bless her heart. And so they reconstruct the ear. And I think the first ear that they reconstructed, it didn't like hold the earring right and actually ended up ripping through. But then the doctor figured out a way to make it so that she could wear earrings. Oh my gosh, that's so sweet. That's super cute. I, while you were talking about this, and I think probably our listeners will too, I looked it up just so I could see kind of images of her face throughout the years. I mean, it's terrible Mm -hmm. what happened to her, but how she is now, she she looks really good. She looks good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I think eight. You can barely tell. Like eight surgeries in total. It looks like maybe she had like a small, like you can't even see the scars. I think probably yeah. because of makeup or whatever. But, but her nose great. looks good. You know, she has her both ears mm-hmm. and yeah. She's a beautiful girl. Like yeah. really, I, I'm kind of amazed from what, you know, because they show pictures. And what's really sad is there's a picture of her as a baby before that before. happened. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of after that toddler Mm-hmm. You know, maybe when she was a toddler or, or one or two and she you can see the devastation on her face. And compared to right. now, I mean, it's just like you can't tell. It's crazy. Yeah. But you can tell from all the images what she went through throughout the years. Yeah. All and the different had surgeries. To be just, I mean, not only, you know, just having to go through surgeries as a child and how devastating that was for her and her mm-hmm. parents, but also just like... Society. Yeah. So there were a couple of quotes from Sharon of talking about how Charlotte has always been this kind of like very cheerful girl, despite all of this. And that, you know, even when she was when people would stare at her or kind of like ask questions. I mean, I think part of it is that they're lucky they live in this smaller town. And even after they move, they live in kind of a smaller town and people are just uber supportive. And they know. So they don't need to ask. Yeah. And she's just always kind of just been herself. Sharon said maybe like once or twice, she was like a little bit self-conscious about it. And she's had some other issues that I think stem from this or maybe from the lifestyle her parents were leading. I don't know. Emotional issues, some learning disabilities, like that kind of stuff. Well, probably just major PTSD. Yeah, trauma. Just trauma. But it also sounds like her parents or adoptive parents, they're into their church community. Yeah. And that can also be like a very big support. You know, for for her to grow up with a lot of people surrounding her that support her, like you said. Yeah, they're not going to judge her. Yeah, they're not going to ask her questions and just let her let her be her. For sure. It looks like the last of her surgeries was in 2017 or 2018. And I think today she's already graduated high school. Um, And like you said, yeah, she looks good. Yeah, she looks great. This surgeon, he's, I mean... Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. uh, He fully reconstructed her face. Yep. And Tim Ponce, her dad, he says, it's been a big journey. I love her a lot. Every time she comes out of the operating room, I have tears in my eyes. And I mean, kind of sad. I don't know if this is still his... the case because I think this article is from like 2017. At the time he was 61 years old and he was working at Hillshire Farms in like the Sarah Lee <laughs> department or something. <laughs> so random. But he ended up uh, having an injury at work and was on disability. He and Sharon actually asked the town to help them because even though they had Medicaid it's never for Charlotte, it's yeah, never enough. No. And so they had asked not them the, in the whole... United States. Oh it's not... my god. Like that's a whole other. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the whole town got together and they did 
like a fundraiser, like a spaghetti dinner fundraiser at this new like Italian restaurant. I love that. And they did like a concert and all this stuff to raise all the money for her for her medical bills. So it's really sad that we have to do that in America. But at the same time, it's kind of like... At least it brings people together, but yeah. you shouldn't have to. like For real. Yeah. Sharon said it was kind of cute, though, because Charlotte felt like a celebrity. Like, every, uh, she got to go to all these things, and yeah. it was, like, really fun. So I thought that was cute. So he worked for Sarah Lee. Yeah. I would be, like, all the pound cakes. That's so many pound cakes. That's so all I can think about. I know. When I think of Sarah Lee, I'm just like... <laughs> So he could like get a pound cake every day. That sounds like a dream job. Sorry. Just like a gallon of milk and a pound cake every day. <laughs> Done. Uh, yeah. Just oh, man. talk about <laughs> talk about obese raccoons. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I love this quote from Sharon. She said, she's my hero. We just love her. That's all. Like anybody who has adopted a child, they're yours. I love that their story kind of came together and that Sharon and Tim had experienced this loss and Charlotte and her brother had experienced this kind of like pain and tragedy and that they could come together and make this family so it's too bad they couldn't you know whatever the whatever their situation is with their family it's Mm -hmm. too bad that this family kind of split apart yeah but who knows like i said there's no way that those people wouldn't be able to get their kids back unless there was a lot of issues agreed from what i know child protective services tries to keep the kids with their parents yes yeah so it has to be something something else going on who knows but that's not the story here the story here is that you shouldn't have raccoons shouldn't have raccoons in your home i'm gonna tell you about your home with small children and leaving (laughs) them all alone especially when they're super hungry Uh, agreed Uh, i'm gonna tell you about three more instances of god raccoons wait is this the story that was sent to us this particular story yes this particular story is the one that mr frost ready sent to us okay when he wrote it i was like what like i you know when you think about raccoons you just think about their yeah, eating garbage about whatever. you no. don't think about that i was like that's not and you know how we always joke about how cats might eat your face one day uh-huh it's like when i read this i'm like that's like a th- but that's like you're alive like that's crazy yeah you, you think of your cats eating you because you died, you died. like a month ago and right. they're hungry and they're like you, you didn't leave us any treats so we're just or we ate all this. the treats yeah yeah Okay, so December 22nd, 2017, North Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. 2017. 2017. Okay. North Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This is a little bit different. Uh, Four-month-old Journey Black. Samuel Black is the little girl's father. He says, it's just ridiculous. My daughter could have lost her life. Uh, The mom, Ashley Rogers, says, my daughter was laying on bed sleeping and I went to take my son to the bathroom. We heard a sound upstairs, and we see a raccoon run down the steps. When I finally got to her, she was laying on the floor, so it had dragged her off the bed across the room, and she was bleeding and crying. Her whole face was red. (gasps) Yeah. Turns out the building is being illegally rented. The landlord had made a bunch of units in this building in Philadelphia. Uh There are all these, like, illegal tenants there, but they don't know that they are. They're, like, renting but he never got the permit to have a slumlord. He's a slumlord. And there are numerous repairs that need to be made. Raccoons and other pests get in because there's a lot of trash in the area. The tenants in the apartment are like always complaining about it. And the mother actually reported to the landlord that she had seen raccoons in and around the building. And he was like, oh, I chased them away. It's all good. And the other tenants is like, that's not a thing with raccoons. You don't chase them away and they just never come back. Get out of here. <laughs> it's like, it's like, that's a solid food source for them. Right, right. Like, what are you talking they about? They run away and then they're just like, 
you varmints. Yeah. Coming right back. Yeah. Uh, other tenants also reported that raccoons were common there. The day that this happens, or like the evening time, I guess the landlord was around the building and drove them to the hospital. But the mom is like, we don't give a shit that he helped on the day that my uh-huh. child was attacked. We're going to pre we're going to be pursuing legal action. Oh, 100%. Yeah. The dad says it is his responsibility. There's no reason an animal should have gotten into the house with minors, which I thought that was kind of a funny way to say it. But it is absolutely the landlord's responsibility. He's illegally renting. He's not repairing the area. He's not securing trash. This is all, you know, contributing to what happened to this little girl. I don't really know about the distinction of with minors. Yeah, that's the only part where I'm like, okay, the last kind of part from the article is CBS Philadelphia reached out to that landlord. He first hung up on us, then called back to say everything has been resolved and to contact his lawyer. However, he would not provide his attorney's name or number. (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. Call my lawyer, Mr. Lawyer at 555-5555. Lawyer. I think she made a full recovery. I know that she didn't pass away or anything like that. Well, hopefully um, it wasn't that bad. And I'm sure she had to have all the rabies shots. Oh, yeah, she did. Yeah. As a little tiny baby. Every oh. every one of these incidences yeah. had to have rabies shots. All right. November 4th, 2010. This is in Covington, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta. Oh. ATL. Uh, there's a nine-month-old girl. She suffered extensive injuries to her head, face, hands, and feet after a pair of raccoons entered the home around 4 a.m. They got through the side panels of a window air conditioner in the mother's bedroom, and the baby was also sleeping in a crib in the mother's bedroom. Uh, the mother, Melissa Cannon, woke up hearing her baby whimpering. To her horror, she found the pair of animals biting the infant as if they were trying to eat it. She batted the raccoons away and called 911. The police found the raccoons outside, shot one who they felt was aggressive, but they were able, the raccoons escaped like further into the woods. Uh-huh. They found them later. The one that had been shot was dead and the other was taken by animal control and they both tested negative for rabies. Okay. So they were just looking for food. And I think this is, again, there's a pattern here. These are babies. Yeah. They're like, can't defend themselves uh-huh. in their cribs, probably sleeping. They smell like they probably smell like, like milk, milk yeah. and poops. All the good stuff. Yeah. Yep. Uh. And because raccoons are omnivorous and they just eat whatever, you know, alive or dead, like they don't give a shit. Uh, that is so scary. Frightening. All right. January 4th of 2021. Uh-uh. Yes. No. Yes. Cross country, Arkansas, an eight to 10 month old baby girl was bitten several times on her arms and legs by a pet raccoon. The child's mother, Selena Creel, and another woman, Amber Reed, are both facing charges of child endangerment and possession of drug paraphernalia. Oops. Cross County Sheriff David West said the women had been drinking alcohol and using drugs and apparently were not aware the pet raccoon had gotten into the baby's playpen during the night. Yeah. So that's all I had on that one. It's a little bit of a newer story. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Small children, wild animals. Don't mix. <laughs> D- don't mix. And they don't go together. Yeah, and just don't. I'm all for if you're a grown ass adult and you have your own house and that's what you choose to do and it's you know, you're not endangering anybody else mm-hmm. for a raccoon, not right. anything else. We are so excited to have a Hawaiian based eco friendly sponsor. 
Earth Aloha is a one-stop shop for beginner-friendly sets to help ease the move into a more zero-waste lifestyle. Earth Aloha wanted to create a product that would really make a difference in our world and help people in their day-to-day life. In addition to the zero-waste bamboo lunch kit, they also have the Everything Silverware set, mini stainless containers, organic cotton produce bags, linen napkins, and if you want a little bit of everything, you can get the zero-waste set. Also check out their free ebooks on how to go vegan, if that's your thing, and their less waste guide for living. Also, Earth Aloha donates $5 from every kit sold to 1% for the planet, which is a global network of businesses, individuals, and nonprofit organizations tackling our planet's most pressing environmental issues. To get your very own Earth Aloha products and achieve your zero waste goals, go to the Earth Aloha link on our website sponsor page or to earth-aloha.com and use the promo code YGDO20 for a 20% discount on all products. Get your aloha on, nature nerds. All right, so for our organization to support today, are you ready? I'm so curious what this is going to be. <laughs> I know, I can't right? wait. We're looking at supporting the Humane Raccoon Removal. It's oh. humaneraccoonremoval.org. Okay. Yep. Remove them humanely. Humanely. Our mission, we are dedicated primarily to educating professional pest control companies slash nuisance wildlife control operators about humane wildlife removal practices through direct outreach campaigns and training. We also aim to teach the public through information on this website. Most people and many professionals do want to treat animals humanely. They just lack the knowledge to do so. Our group, which includes wildlife rehabbers, biologists, and former wildlife trappers, strive to provide information that is both effective and compassionate towards wildlife. What I thought was especially cool about them, this is more of a resource than it is a donation, Delio, because they do not accept donations. They are a not-for-profit, but they are not classified as a 501c3 so they can't accept donations uh-huh. humane wildlife removal org is huma is funded by a generous grant from an anonymous benefactor who speaks for the rights of all creatures great and small however you can absolutely help by donating to a lot a local wildlife rehabilitator in your city and i'm like that's great absolutely and you can go to their website again that is humane raccoon removal.org so the actual organization is called humane wildlife removal mm-hmm. but they have for every and this is like stateside they have for every state local wildlife rehabilitators animal control like that kind of stuff people who do things humanely in your state so it's like one big clearinghouse for pest control in a humane way. Nice. I thought that was kind of cool. That is cool. Uh, So they provide corporate training, school presentations, and info for the general public. They say through this website, the information on it, and the local resources posted here, we strive to educate the general public about how to make the smartest choices for resolving wildlife conflicts. In most cases, the most humane approach is also the most effective. And they have this educational tool called PET, or PET. Uh Uh-huh. I, again, just biologists. Yeah. It's got to be so smart. All right. Uh, It's (laughs) the best people ever, (laughs) ever Uh, treat an unwanted wild animal with the same compassion you would treat a pet and use P prevention. Seal your house shut to keep animals out and eliminate attractive features. E exclusion. Remove critters with one way doors and funnels instead of cage traps. T tolerance. In many cases, you don't need to interfere with a wild animal at all. There. Bingo. If a bear comes into your home. We're just repeating the same thing. Over <laughs> exactly here we are at the end of the episode saber's getting itchy he's getting clickety clackety uh he wants to know jen what is 
your item for emergency preparedness kit in this uh, raccoon situation. In all of these cases, it's just like, don't keep one yeah. in your house. But in some of them, it sounds like those rascals like snuck in. They're right? rascally. They are rascally. Yeah. Rascally rascals. I would say have a dog for sure. Have a dog. Yeah. I adopt mean, one at your local shelter. What? Yes. Adopt a dog <laughs> at your local shelter because I'm telling you, they wouldn't let a raccoon come in and do something. Cat maybe. I don't know. They just lay there and watch it and be like, ew. They'd be like... For the last six months, I've been trying to open this treats container. Help me out. You got some thumbs. Let's do Let's, this. I see that you have, you're very dexterous. <laughs> if you could please open this for me, I, I would appreciate it. <laughs> I, we can work out a deal here. I'll let you in. I'll give you some of my cat food. Please don't eat the baby's face. That's the agreement. <laughs> yeah. Stay away from the baby. I'll give you some cat food. Get mm-hmm. some gout let's let's do this that sounds like a perfect partnership it does yeah so i would say a dog because mm-hmm. the dogs would be like oh hell no 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 sir <laughs> there would be a lot of barking mm-hmm. you would know immediately yes right it sounds like it's only happening to babies so yeah. i'm thinking like uh maybe a little baby hockey mask <laughs> like a freakishly scary like hannibal lecter mask <laughs> or some sort of thing that would frighten any buddy that came near your baby yeah they'd be like good god it's just like jason <laughs> from the uh, friday 13th yeah i mean so i don't know and it would protect them but. yeah a little baby hockey mask yeah uh, i did read an interesting fact that raccoons can recognize each other by uh-huh. their facial expressions uh-huh. so maybe if you got a raccoon mask oh my god it'd be like well i can't it's a raccoon it's a raccoon so i can't i can't yeah <laughs> just like a dead fur of a raccoon <laughs> just drape it over them and they'd be like ah <laughs> That would be so... They would be just mortified. <laughs> it's just full-on trauma for the Full-on trauma. But you know what? Good on them because they shouldn't be there bothering the baby in the first place. It's true. Tie your garbage up. Fun story that also kind of... Uh, <laughs> that kind of like inspired me to do this episode too. Because uh-huh. I was talking to my brother. And he's uh-huh. in he's in Portland, right? And raccoons are a thing there. It's like... He's like, oh no, they're everywhere. Oh yeah. And so he sent me these super creepy pictures of them just like chilling out on the fence. Oh yeah, because... Their, their eyes are all are glowy. Yeah, super creepy. <laughs> I'm 100% going to post those. But I was like, send me your raccoon pictures. He was like, do you really want them? And I was like, yes. Yeah, just... <laughs> Stealing your soul, trying yeah. to eat babies. I mean, it started out that I thought they were really fun and cute. And right? now I'm just kind of like, mm, they're not. They're, they're not fun. They're pretty creepy. And it's hard to know what would you put in your emergency preparedness kit to keep your baby from getting his face eaten. Come on, people. I like a baby hockey mask. Baby hockey mask with a scary ass picture of a, <laughs> a raccoon. raccoon on it, painted on it. Yeah. And I will say that like all of the and articles. Like a Daniel Boone hat. <laughs> <laughs> Just, maybe we got to bring those back. Yeah. A scary hockey. But then we're promoting like. And- killing raccoons for their tails for their fur yeah the funny part was that all of the articles about the these babies being mauled by raccoons Uh had these like scary pictures of raccoons just like their little hands up next to their face their mouths are open and their teeth are Uh. showing and they're all like ah you know yeah and i'm like hey hey don't don't blame let's not villainize like let's not villainize all of them i'm sure they're opportunistic the majority of raccoons out there have not eaten babies faces they're just some real effed up ones that just really they went there the opportunity presented itself i mean it's in their nature they just don't know the difference you know well you know what everybody out there secure your apartment or house you don't want that happening ever exactly god it's horrifying i mean i think we learned a lot Mm -hmm. as usual i think all the nature nerds will appreciate all the extra information yeah and i think we'll get a lot of feedback from this one for sure (laughs) whether it's good or bad we'll see we'll take it it's all good 
But I do want to say thank you to Reddy for for that suggestion because it was horrifying and also fascinating. Yeah, 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 totally. Because not something I've ever heard about or thought about, Mm -hmm. to be honest. I just thought they were kind of cute little guys that steal your trash. Yeah. Which I think for the most part, that's what they are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I definitely think you should go and watch those PBS videos. They're super interesting. And they I mean, raccoons are cute. You know, baby raccoons, forget it. They're the cutest. They're adorable. All right. Let's shout out some patrons because I think everybody's tired of hearing about raccoons at this point. Let's do it. We have two new patrons to shout out. It's super exciting. Thank you so much to Chandra. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. We love that you're now part of the nature pa- nerd family yes yeah the patron patreon family of nature nerds so we'd also great. like to send a big thank you to patrick thank you so much patrick we appreciate it so much and for our patrons and anybody who wants to be a patron we have bonus episodes we're about to record one for august mm-hmm. and i'll be doing that one and it's uh it's an old-timey survival story oh just score. throwing that little hint out there i do love a survival story and an old-timey one at that good times it's super interesting oh my god i can't wait are there raccoons in it no well probably people are going to be relieved then <laughs> yeah they're not you know they'll probably be happy to not hear about raccoons for a while. Agreed. If you want to become a patron, go to our website at youregonnadieoutthere.com. Click the Patreon link or you can, if you're an Instagram follower, you can click our link tree and it's on there. So easy. And don't forget, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. We did, we got a couple new reviews, I think. They were very nice. So nice. And give me your address. Let me know where to send those stickers because I'm going to do it. And if you send a, if you send an Apple review and, you know, we're not sure who you are if you could just follow it up with a quick email or message like hey i reviewed you guys so we could be like hey what's your address because we're trying to figure out who people are and it sometimes is a little bit difficult just send us a little side message that it was you you sent the review and you'd like a sticker and i will send it megan won't no 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 jen will i'll do it jen will do it don't worry her handwriting is better too so yeah <laughs> you it'll just be like scribbledy scrabbledy on the back <laughs> you won't know like there was some lines i don't know if it was a message You'll try and decode it. Right. Like Megan was meant to be a doctor. It's the truth. (laughs) It's insane. (laughs) Anyway, thanks for listening. Until next time. Don't die out there. Bye. Bye. Yeah. My tummy keeps rumbling. Can you hear it? No. Are you hungry? Do you need to get some nibblies before we start? I think it's because I drank so much tea. (gasps) Good Lord. Did you guys just hear that? That was, there's some like crazy thunder. We hardly get thunder in Guam because it's a very small uh, piece of land for things to move over and it just, so we don't get a lot. Things move really quickly over islands. My dogs, I'm just thinking about my dogs right now. They're really scared. They were sleeping, which is super weird for him because he's so anxious about everything. You would think that if he heard thunder, he would be like losing his brain, but somehow that's like the one thing. Okay, so Jesus (laughs) Christ, what's (laughs) happening, everybody? Go lay down, Sabers. Sabers, lay down. Come on. He always does this at the end of the episode, too. He's like, are we done yet? He's like, is this an organization to support? He's like, have you guys already done the emergency preparedness kit? Lay down. Okay. I'm ready.